This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, September 9th, and today we're going to be kicking off a six week series going division by division through the NBA, looking at key fantasy questions from each division as we get ready for the season. Today, it will be key fantasy questions from the Atlantic Division. And to do that, I'm joined by Noah Rubin and Dr. A, Steve Alexander. And guys, before we get started, I have to tell you about an injury. It's a basketball injury. I've, I sustained an injury the other day. I got back to uh, pick up basketball for the first... I like. My my regular game, my Sunday game shut down during the pandemic, right? And mm-hmm. I finally got I got like back in. It's back on. I was feeling pretty good. I was in the post. I kind of flashed across the paint to catch a pass. Very low pass. Right like a bullet. Not a bounce pass. Not a not a pass into my chest. A bullet down toward the floor. I reached down with my sad left hand to try to scoop it and my pinky met the the basketball as the basketball bounced off the floor and my pinky went the mm. wrong way as they say dislocation mm. fracture i'm on the shelf it's the whole thing uh it sounds like it was a terrible pass man i think that's the bottom it was a bad line pass. here it was a bad pass it, yeah yeah no i didn't no, get to well go ahead oh i was gonna say noah and i have never played basketball together but i hear that Noah is quite a baller. Maybe you all Noah, need to get you can, together. You you can ball? I am halfway decent, yes. Oh. I, right. I've been known to ball here and there. He's a baller, nice. son. I'm telling you. Hey, he plays with, with buddies of mine, and they're like, dude, he, Noah's good. What what do you – you know what's interesting? When you only see, meet people like in a setting such as this, like Steve, you and I have met in person. Noah, uh, you and I have not. How tall are you? I have no idea. I'm going to say – officially six foot but there's you know it's probably a a nice little six foot with shoes on makes it sound good okay you know what i'm actually exactly the same i am i am six foot i'm six foot in basketball shoes six foot that's what i also you're a shooter shooter. yes in basketball shoes (laughs) interesting so i didn't uh, know my Noah is possibly like a better version of me because i i'm kind of a shooter and then i i drive when people run out at mm. my at me when i'm about to shoot yeah, that was better. He's younger. <laughs> younger. We'll we'll go with that. <laughs> I didn't catch the blurb on your injury, but I'm excited yeah, to see kind of who benefits fantasy wise from your absence. I, I don't know how long it is. How long are you out? See, this is the thing. I, I'm I'm officially listing myself as day to day. The paperwork mm. from the hospital definitely says I should be out four to six weeks. But <laughs> uh, I mean, it it's already feeling better. My finger does not look normal. You know. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. I'm already like, I think if I, if I lived alone, right. And I didn't have, I don't know, a wife, for example, I would probably be out there on Sunday, but I'm I'm already getting, I'm sensing a little, I'm sensing a little like, no, you're not, no, you are not going to dislocate your finger again on Sunday. Um, Uh, yeah. When, when you are healthy again, since we all, we all live within an hour of one another, 
Yeah. We're all going to get together at a basketball court and I you two are going to play one on one and I'm going to film it. And then that's going to be a podcast. Wow. Deal. Wow. I, I thought you were going to say like, yeah, we'll just have a shoot around. We'll hang out. But no, you oh, went no. straight to it's going to be a showdown. Yes. Uh, all right. Cool. I'm into it. But by the way, I just want to say before we move on, anyone out there, any basketball players know that feeling. I don't know if either of you two have ever dislocated a finger. It's mm-hmm. like the wor- in, weirdly one of the worst feelings, like because you just know that something is, is jacked up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. and you have to wait for it to get fixed hours. You have to sit there and try not to look at this mangled digit. It's it's terrible. Anyways, oh, yeah. fun times. All right. Let's get it started. We're going to begin with the Boston Celtics. And I think you will find a recurring theme on this episode. We may not talk about the obvious first-round studs on all of these teams because we talk about those guys a lot. And in a number of cases, that's not really where the real fantasy intrigue is. So, you know, Jason Tatum is great, but he's not a player that keeps us up at night wondering what his numbers might be. I would argue, though, that that is the case for Robert Williams. So, Noah, coming off a season where he averaged 10 points, 9.6 9.6 boards, 2 assists, 0.9 steals, 2.2 blocks, all of those career highs. He's 24 years old. How high are we drafting Robert Williams slash how high do you envision his ceiling being? Yeah, I believe he finished with those numbers like a mid-second round value. Yeah, I wouldn't probably blame anybody for taking him mid-second, early second, but I'd probably be looking more late second, even early third if I could. Um just off the sense of I, I don't really want Robert Williams being the second best player on my fantasy team. Yeah. I'd love for him to still, I'd love his production, especially with the, you know, the, all the defensive stats, but just right. don't know if I want him being the second best guy. I, I understand you want him on your team, but you don't want him to be your second best player. I, I can, I can understand that. Steve, where are you on the old time Lord? What if you have you to know, take a second of- rounder? Most of his value is tied up in in blocks and rebounds and field goal percentage. I, I love me some Time Lord uh, as we. The fact that he finished what sixteenth, I think, in in basketball monster rankings, it shows you how how it's weird because he doesn't score points, and I don't like guys who don't score. But I do love me some Time Lord and. The field goal percentage is going to be there every time. The blocks are going to be there forever. And I just think once Porzingis – or not Porzingis, once Nikola Jokic is gone and you're ready to take a center, that's the guy you take. So, I don't know. No, I mean, Anthony – I mean, Carl uh, Anthony Towns is probably going to go in front of him. But you know what I'm saying. Joe I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe a couple other guys. No, um, I, I'm excited about – Robert Williams, I'm intrigued. I do think it's a serious dilemma if we're going to start to see him go off the board in the second round. If I can get him in the third, I think I'm thrilled. Also, earlier this summer, I talked with Chris Forsberg, who covers the Celtics for NBC Sports Boston, and here's what he had to say on the matter. He said, basically, he's a retired fantasy player. If I ever got back in, if I unretired, if I got my if I, if I got my keyboard out of the out of the closet for 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 fantasy season, honestly, behind. Tatum and Brown, like he's my next guy in, for for the Celtics, and yeah. um, probably some positional versatility. I don't know what they list them as, but you know, obviously they use them as a, sort of a power forward in terms of uh, the defensive scheme. So uh, jump on the jump on the Time Lord bandwagon would, would always be my. That's like that's my advice to just people I meet in the street for the first time, and <laughs> yeah. but but especially but especially for for fantasy players. 
the people at the coffee shop are like, why are you telling me this? Like, why are you talking about Robert Williams? <laughs> Man, right I, I, I just asked for directions. Why, why, why are you telling me about Robert Williams? So, yeah. yeah. The enthusiasm is very palpable here for Chris Forsberg. So I thought that was pretty awesome. Yeah, that's the fact is imagining him going around, I'm assuming in Boston, just telling people draft Robert Williams. Like, that's just funny to me. But I I was listening to that. He also said something about Robert Williams just scratching the surface. I believe that was something he said. That's that gets me excited seeing what his numbers were last season. And I believe there was a report earlier this summer from the athletic that Al Horford is going to sit most back to backs. So that just opens up even more room for Robert Williams to get some extra rebounds, um, assists, basically everything. So, and he's just getting ready to turn twenty-five. So, I mean, he's he's still very very young. Mm-hmm. And, and Forsberg walking around the streets of Boston telling people about the Time Lord reminds me of the time we had Adam Schefter on this podcast, and Schefter was like, "Time Lord, I'm a Time Lord guy. Like, why won't they? Why won't they?" let time lord play and uh it's yeah. the same thing i feel like Schefter Schefter is a big basketball guy he's probably walking around telling people about the time lord as well yeah i think there's a lot of us out there who just kind of stop people on the streets and say hey uh, <laughs> what about this robert williams uh guy so all right moving on to the next celtics question and this one's coming your way steve uh malcolm brogdon as we know has arrived in boston are you now, by the way, I, I sort of asking you this. I know that this is not something you've lost any sleep over, but put yourself in the mind of someone who might have done so. Are we worried? Should we be worried about Marcus Smart's numbers with the arrival of Malcolm Brogdon? Any concern you know, about these two with Brogdon as the backup kind of crushing one another's upside uh, in fantasy? Or are we still okay with Marcus Smart? Mm, I don't. I don't particularly love it. I didn't love Marcus Smart that much before Malcolm Brogdon yeah, got there. I sense that. I sense uh, that you're not a Marcus um, Smart guy. And then you've got you know Zach Hanshu, one of our our coworkers here at, at Roto World. He's picking Malcolm Brogdon to be the sixth man of the year. I think is what he he said. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that if that happens, there's no way Marcus Smart doesn't get crushed by that. Uh, also, Malcolm Brogdon's very good. Uh, when he plays, but the problem is he's always hurt. Um, But coming off the bench and having a backup role might be better for him in the long term anyway. So I I really don't like anything about it, Matt. I doubt either one of those guys are probably going to be on my team. Yeah, you know, I'm actually probably not as worried as maybe other people are. Um, On Basketball Monster, it says he was a top 100 guy the last four seasons playing behind Kyrie Irving and Kemba Walker. I don't think having Malcolm Brogdon come in is going to be what kicks him out of the top 100. Um, and plus they've already established that Marcus Smart will be the starter. And according to clean the cleaning the glass, he played 42% of his minutes at shooting guard last season. So I could see him starting at point guard and then them wanting to give either Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum a rest, bringing in Brogdon at point guard, shifting Smart over. Um, but a lot of his value doesn't necessarily come from having the ball in his hands and, dropping dimes because i mean i think he averaged i want to say like 5.8 per game last season um i could still see him averaging five assists a game but a lot of it is the defensive numbers and some catch and shoot threes so i think uh if anything they'll complement each other just fine i don't think it takes away too much from marcus smart yeah i i land more on the side of where you're talking about noah i you know Smart is not a guy who needs you know high usage to be effective. I think he was a top 75-ish guy in nine-category fantasy leagues on just 10 shots per game last year. 
um, with those 12, around mm-hmm. 12 points, four boards, six dimes, 1.7 steals, 1.7 threes. I love the steals. He's going to be on the floor for his defense. So, I mean, maybe Brogdon puts a little dent in that stuff, but I think the things that Marcus Smart does, he's still going to do regardless. Even if the assists, maybe the assists take a hit, for example. But I think if he's falling, you know, well into the middle rounds, I still take him because steals are are tricky, hard to come by. So, I'm I'm still okay with Smart. Yeah, and I think the fact that he's like a top hundred guy, like if you're if you're talking about getting Marcus Smart in like round eight, round seven. I'm, I'm yeah. fine with that. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. All right. All right. Now we're going to Philly where we know everyone loves Tyrese Maxey coming off a top 60 fantasy season. That was because he averaged around 17 and a half points, 4.3 assists, 1.8 threes, 0.7 steals. We'll talk about that number in a minute more. All of that in 75 games. He played really well after James Harden arrived. But Noah, is it possible that Maxey is going to go too high in fantasy drafts? Because I find myself wondering that. And I guess... My argument with Maxi is, I mentioned those steals. That's a concern for me. Uh, is it possible he's slightly better in real life and he's really fun to watch in real life than he's going to be in fantasy this year? It's possible. I don't know. Uh, if you look at his numbers from last season, after the Harden trade, the, the points were up just slightly. The three-pointers, the field goal percentage, those were up just playing off ball with James Harden, you know, passing the way that he does. His assists were down a little bit. Um, his preseason rankings for Maxi Yahoo is 62, ESPN is 72. So I think if you're getting him around that range, mm-hmm. that's very okay. I, I don't think that's right. too high. I think if you're trying to get him, you know, early fifth round, late fourth round, just unless you're just a huge Philly fan and just want all the sixes on your team, I, I think that's probably a little bit too high. You know, speaking about having all the sixers uh, on on your team. I did a football draft on Monday, guys. Oh, watch out. This this dude, David Kahn, drafted seven 49ers in a row with his first seven picks. And he okay. loves the 49ers. He's like the he's like in charge of the 49ers tailgate fan club. Okay. He he went niner, niner, nine. He took so uh, he went he went Debo, Debo first. Debo at number three overall. <laughs> oh baby. Oh, I think he got uh, – who's the kicker in San Fran? Uh, uh, the old guy, Gold? Gold, yeah. Yeah, I think he oh, was wow. – I think he was might have been his fourth-round uh, selection. Stop so. it. So an when unserious the Niners player. D? Niners D in like the seventh round or something? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, and they, it, it went, after he got it, the last available Niner – because there's only, there's only so many you can, you can get. He's right. like, I got everybody I wanted. <laughs> it was hilarious. So and going George back, Kittle, to the, George Kittle's already injured. So there's that. <laughs> uh, so going back to the uh, to the question at hand about Tyrese Maxey, he he returned about fifth round value last year. Mm-hmm. Looking at the stats, I'm surprised it was that high because the assists were kind of low. The points are you know 17 points a game, but I think the chances of of Maxie not meeting or matching what he did last season are pretty slim. So I think if you're looking at him in in the fifth or sixth round, he's probably not going to disappoint you. And the fact that he looks so good once James Harden got there last year, uh, that is very promising, I think. Right. And those projections that you referenced, Noah, I'm guessing that in the, you know, some of the expert leagues that we'll be drafting, you know, as we get closer to the season, I'm guessing he'll go a little higher than that. Mm-hmm. But if in, you know, your your home league, you know, with your friends, you can get him around number 60. 
I think that's great. I mean, that's because that's you're, you're combining floor and ceiling there. And those 0.7 steals that I mentioned, it's not like those are locked in. I mean, guys do improve in that area. And if Maxi can make a jump there, we know this is a guy who's absurdly quick, could certainly has the potential to to get more steals. Yeah, I mean, he could be phenomenal. So Dude, how I, about, I love it. How about the fact What's he only that? had 1.2 turnovers? Like, that's crazy. Mm. That's great. And I mean, by the way, that's a huge part of what propped him up in you know, nine category leagues yeah. um, as well. So lots to like there, high floor, potentially a high ceiling. So uh, I, I'm encouraged by what I hear in terms of where we think he might go in drafts. We'll have to keep an eye on it, but encouraging as of now. The next question, and as I said, you know, we don't necessarily want to spend all our time talking about the most obvious players on every team. So there's going to be plenty of James Harden and Joel Embiid talk coming up in the future. But I wanted to ask about a a lesser-known guy, a guy we might be targeting in the later rounds in fantasy drafts, and that's DeAnthony Melton. Steve, uh, you were there for the Danny Pomels interview when we talked to him about Melton and others on the Sixers earlier this summer. Melton, of course, covers the Sixers for NBC Sports Philly, and we'll hear from him in a second. But Steve, do you think a fresh start could mean not big things, but bigger things for DeAnthony Melton in Philly? I don't think it can hurt. You know, I... Melton is one of those guys that where he he is both serviceable and intriguing, and he's also frustrating. And yeah, yeah. Oh, because the talent is there, it's a, he it's just, a new wrinkle there. Frustrate, serviceable, intriguing, and frustrating. Yeah, because you know we all know if he got more minutes, he would he would be kind of an awesome fantasy player. But yeah. it just never happened in Memphis. And hopefully. This change of scenery will do him do him well, and he'll he'll get minutes. Uh, I think we've seen the end of, of Danny Green probably, so that that works in his favor. I I like I like Melton, man. I I, I think he's going to be. I'm going to be taking him uh, late in a lot of drafts. I think. Yeah, I mean, in Memphis, you know, when he was coming off the bench, he was next to Tyus Jones, who was having the ball in his hands all the time, uh, getting assists. So. He'll still be coming off the bench here for Philly, but mm-hmm. he'll be the guy with the ball. Like they're not going to have Matisse Thibel bring the ball up the floor and try and get everybody going. Like he's going to, ha- D'Anthony Melton's going to have the ball in his hands. He's going to get his shots. I could see him, you know, he played 22.7 minutes per game last season, playing a similar role, um, but just mm-hmm. seeing more shots. So it could increase his fantasy value, just not having to share the ball with the plethora of young guards that Memphis has. And Steve, I like what you said there. It can't hurt because I think that is kind of similar to the sentiment that Danny Pamels uh, brought to the podcast when we talked to him. And when we talked to Danny about Melton specifically and asked about his playing time, here's what he had to say. 25 minutes is optimistic, but for, for people out there playing fantasy, looking to see how he can maybe step up, this is an opportunity for him to do that because I think it'll be a merit based. Uh, evaluation for the mm-hmm. 76ers. So if he comes in the camp in shape, playing well, being dynamic and versatile, they, they're not going to, you know, be loyal to Matisse or right. loyal to someone else who's currently on the roster because the roster, frankly, wasn't that deep. They didn't have, you know, reliable two-way players. They they had players they wanted to be reliable, like Matisse or Furkan Korkmaz or Shake Milton, but that just didn't quite come to fruition or fit with James Harden like like you would want. So I'm looking for, I have big expectations for DeAnthony Melton and I feel like he could be a player that fits really well with the 76ers. So I, I would definitely have that green check mark next to his name. 
no, I thought all of that was was encouraging to hear and kind of echoes where we are. Yeah, I mean, he's he's going to see minutes. You know, we talked about he talked about Thibault. I mentioned him. Um, there's not anybody else to come off the bench and kind of say like, hey, like bring some offense to us. Anthony Melton is that guy. He'll have the ball in his hands. Like I'm, I'm excited to see exactly uh, how they use him and how many shots he gets per game. Well, that's what I was going to say. I, I think right now it's easy to be have a good outlook and be optimistic. We need to see what happens in training camp because I could see us talking to Danny again in early October and he can be like, dude, he came in and just killed camp. De'Anthony Melton is going, is really going to make some noise. I could, I could see that becoming the case. And then, you know, the fantasy hype train to get rolling on it. But I think we need to see uh, what happens in camp and how doc uh, Mm -hmm. says he's going to use him before, before we can really know what it's, what he's going to be like. Another thing that Danny pointed out is that Daryl Morey actually drafted Melton. So, uh, that's another little thing to keep in mind here. And uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, it's a situation where it, uh, any change is probably a good thing for DeAnthony Melton. It at least, at least gives a chance to unlock some of that permanent upside. And as we know, Jonas Nader has DeAnthony Melton's permanent stats tattooed uh, across his arms. So uh, anyways, we're going to move now to Toronto, where this is a rotation that I would say has some of the few, some of the fewest questions in terms of fantasy. I mean, we we know who the established guys are. We know what we're getting from you know Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, etc. You know, super solid early round fantasy guys. They all play a ton of minutes. Uh, so to me, I think the most intriguing question coming into this season is the ceiling of one Scotty Barnes. He's coming off Rookie of the Year campaign, uh, fifteen point three points, seven and a half boards, three and a half dimes, one point one steals, point seven blocks. Point eight threes. He played seventy four games. Noah, what are your expectations for year two for Scotty Barnes, and how do we stay rational here? Oh, you shouldn't have asked me if you wanted to stay rational. I'm all <laughs> aboard the Scotty Barnes hype train. I wouldn't be shocked if, like, his numbers go up, even if it's just slightly across the board. Yeah, I'm all aboard the hype train. I, I would get him in the fourth round, absolutely. Uh, third round's probably a stretch, but I mean, if somebody did it just because they were a huge believer. I wouldn't be too mad. I, I'd support it. So I'm huge Scotty Barnes fan. So if you want some more rational thinking, then maybe maybe Steve will help you out. But Steve? Probably not. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm in the middle of a – well, not the middle. We just started. Uh, Rick Camlo has got me in this dynasty league, and I'm not really a dynasty league guy because when you know those midseason trades where three scrub rookies go for – a stud that'll win you the league uh, always drives you nuts. But I'm very curious as to see where Scotty Barnes is going to go in that draft because it's on dynasty um, where you're keeping everyone for the rest of your life. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Scotty Barnes is like a second round guy in, in that league. And I'm kind of with, no, I think the sky's the limit here. I think fourth round is the perfect time to, to try to get Scotty Barnes. And, you know, I think Toronto knows what they have in Scotty Barnes. And I, there's just so much upside there. Plus 1.8 turnovers last year too. So that's really low for a rookie that had the ball in his hands that much. So uh, I'm pretty excited about it. God, I don't know, guys. I mean, we're still kind of waiting for some, some really concrete ADP data, right? Early Mm -hmm. September. But I, I kind of feel like he's going to be going in the third round. Um, 
that I, I would be I would be pretty thrilled. Any draft where I can get Scotty Barnes in the fourth, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be very excited if that if that's actually the case. Mm-hmm. I gotta think. I don't know. You just you know there's some some floor plenty of floor here, right? A worst case scenario. I mean, he's gonna improve though, right? We we know that. And along those lines, we talked to one other Atlantic Division beat writer this offseason. That was Josh Lewenberg from TSN, who covers the Raptors. And here's what he had to say on this topic. What is he going to be able to do with a full offseason? Yeah, he, he's going to have some time off, a chance to take a breath after what's been sort of a whirlwind few years for him. But he's also going to have a lot of time to work on his game. And we're already seeing some of those clips and videos on uh, Twitter uh, of him adding things to his repertoire. It looks like he's yeah. tightened his handle a little bit. He's tweaked his mechanics on the jump shot a little bit, which obviously gets people excited because, again, if he adds that three – Ceiling's really high for him, so I expect him to take a big jump in year two. He was adamant, Josh Lewenberg was adamant, that he expects Scotty Barnes to take a big jump in year two, Steve. Yeah, and I I, I, I would love to get him in the fourth round, like I said earlier, but I, it, I think you're right. I think between everything that he just said um, and, and what we all have said, like third round, like the the hype train is going to be rolling by the time late September, early October gets here. And I think if you want Scotty Barnes, you're probably going to have to take him in the third round. I don't think he's a guy I would reach for any higher than that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, there's, it's, there's too much, there's too much good stuff and too much ceiling to ignore mm-hmm. him. I have him in my dynasty league, Steve, that I got him in a rookie draft. So it was a little bit easier to get him than having to select him in the second round. But I'm, I'm very excited. I think uh, I lost my entire train of thought. Oh, that's what it was. I'm not going to get into the ESPN rankings a ton because I think they're a little off right now. But uh, if you're interested in, in making like a home league where not everybody listening to this podcast he's currently ranked 70 on espn so if you want to get excited go make a league with people who aren't listening to this and so yeah yeah, yeah. well these are good rankings just use them what is the column what's the column in the draft guides called is the abusing the rankings i saw uh, hacking the default ranks that's the one i'm writing which is why i've been looking at all these rankings and just interesting espns were just fun yeah well they, like yeah. you said it's early maybe they yeah. haven't uh, maybe they haven't haven't messed with them yet. You know, Matt, while we're in Toronto real quick, somebody I'm not drafting this year is Chris Boucher. Uh-huh. Also sometimes known as Chris Bosch. Um, but he just signed a, a big extension to stay in Toronto and play with Nick yeah. Nurse, right? I mean, it couldn't couldn't be worse. 21 minutes, nine points last year, nine starts. No, I, 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 two or three years is enough. I'm I'm out I'm out of the Boucher game. Couldn't be worse. This guy got a nice new contract. It's awful. This guy got paid. <laughs> this is horrible. <laughs> um, yeah, he was supposed to get bad, it somewhere bad, else. Bad for fantasy. Uh, good for good, re- good for good real for life. Boucher. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. We have more to come. The Nets and the Knicks specifically. But first, we're going to take a very quick break. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. 
would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. There are any number of reasons you might consider selling your home. To move closer to family, live within a smaller budget, or just wanting a change of scenery. Whatever your reasons, having to figure out all the various housing market trends in your area may not be what you signed up for. That's where an agent who is a Realtor comes in. Realtors have the expertise to help you find the right price and navigate the process to sell your home in a way that's right for you. That's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Just a reminder, if you don't have the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet, go and download it now. The contests are free and easy to play, and you have a shot to win thousands this weekend by predicting what will happen in college football, Major League Baseball, on the NASCAR circuit, and in Premier League. There's also $100,000 up for grab by guessing up for grabs by guessing what will happen between the Buccaneers and Cowboys in our Sunday night seven contest. The, I said contest really weird the first time there, guys. I said contests. My dad has a tendency to put like the emphasis on the last syllable when it shouldn't be there. He's like, I, I, I my best example of that is he would always say, iTunes. Like, like <laughs> iTunes. I think it's called Apple Music now, but he'd be like iTunes. I went into iTunes. I'm like, what are we doing here? Um, anyways. By the way, Matt, yeah. Matt, who do you think I took at number four in that dynasty draft? Dynasty draft. Luca went one. Okay. Of course. Yeah. And uh, he went second, third. Uh, I'm going to stop yeah. you right there. You took Trey Young. I was going to guess LaMelo. I took LaMelo. Oh. Michael All Porter right. Jr. in the second round, or are we off? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. All right. Well, congratulations. That's a fun pick. That's a fun dive. Thanks. Pick. Thank you. Very. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to go to Brooklyn now. I think we would all agree that the Nets were arguably uh, the most annoying slash headache-inducing team of the offseason, at least right up there. But my premise here is uh, – you must draft one net at or around projected ADP in every fantasy draft. We'll start with you, Steve. Who are you choosing? Nick Claxton. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure that's all of our answers. He's yeah. the only one of those guys that I really trust. Uh, I, I kind of feel like... I kind of feel like the Nets are going to make everyone pay for hate, for all the, all the hate over the summer and last season because... I feel like Kyrie Irving is very motivated. I feel like Durant is very motivated. Nick Claxton is supposed to have a, a breakout season. Joe Harris is healthy. Uh, there's just there's just a lot of things coming together in Brooklyn, and I feel like um, I feel like they're going to be really good and try to make people pay for all the negativity over the past year. But if I if I want one of those guys, I think it's uh, Claxton. Yeah, I, I had Claxton. He uh, His numbers as a starter in his career, 
10.6 points, 5.8 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, but there's like really nobody else there to potentially take minutes from him. So I'm excited to see him probably get 25, 28 minutes a game, just see what he does. I'm great shot blocker, hopefully an improved rebounder. Um, for the sake of throwing out a different name, I'd probably go Ben Simmons at his current ADP, just assuming it's dropped off heavily because of everything that's happened mm-hmm. over the past year and a half at this point. Um, it, he's a high upside guy in the sense that if he gets back even close to what he was before all the drama in Philly, it's a great fantasy asset. And I I mean, they, in my opinion, they kind of designed this team for him to be able to run on the fast break and find a bunch of shooters. I mean, they could legitimately run an interesting, very interesting lineup of Ben Simmons and KD as the bigs, Kyrie, Seth Curry, and Joe Harris as shooters, and Ben Simmons just pushed in transition and finds four elite shooters. So that's interesting enough to me that where I would take him at current ADP, assuming it's much lower than it probably should be. I'm going to have to wait and see Ben Simmons appear in an actual NBA box score. Once Fair. that happens, once that happens, he will land potentially he will land somewhere on my draft board. I, Fair. I until that happens, he is not he is not going to be ranked for me, I think. I really and I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm just saying we haven't mm-hmm. seen it. I need to see it. I need to see yeah. him play uh, in a game. I really thought you were going to say I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree <laughs> with you there. Um <laughs> You know, the thing about Ben Simmons is I, I keep hearing, oh, man, he, he's going to run the offense and he, he's a point forward and he's so good at this and so good at that. He's he's not a good shooter. His three-point mm-hmm. shooting is never, ever coming. So we can stop dreaming about that. It's not going to happen. He can't make a free throw to save his life. Like, those are big deals in fantasy, and nobody nobody seems to care. He also turns the ball over a lot. I, I'm not. I am not doing it. I am done with Ben Simmons. I was gonna say I saw some pickup games that say otherwise as far as his three point shot coming along, but <laughs> we'll, we'll take those with a grain of salt. That's fair. I, I like Claxton, but I'm gonna differ from you guys and say that uh, I think the guy for me is Kevin Durant. I can see myself drafting some Kevin Durant if he's a late first rounder. I think I'm a little bit influenced by the fact that. You know, for all the for all the games he missed last year, he was there when it counted in fantasy. And if that happens again, I think he's a great fantasy pick because the numbers are just off the charts when he's on the floor. And you know, there's nothing that says there is something that says he's probably going to miss like 15 to 20 games. But there's nothing that says when those games have to be. And when he's on the floor, he doesn't really leave the floor. He puts up monster numbers. So I think I think when you get into late first round, he's he's a guy that I'm gonna have a hard time. I'm going to want him in some of my leagues. Let me put it that way. Mm-hmm. I think that's where I'm at heading to this year. I mean, he's, I'm not he's scared, too Steve. good. He's too good I'm to not. Steve's just stone-faced right now. <laughs> just, I'm just, just trying to think, like, where is Kevin Durant? First of all, where is he going to go in this dynasty league that I'm drafting in? I'm, he's certainly not going to be a first-round pick. And then in, in standard leagues, you know, when all of us get together and have a draft this year, is KD going to go at number 10? Is he going to yeah. fall is he going to fall in at round think, two? I kind of think he's going to go tenth. That's like what I that that's that's where I'm picturing his ADP landing at. Noah, you got what? Do you, what data do you have for us, Noah? Anything? Um, my data from my best logical guess would be that he probably doesn't fall to ten. I oh, okay. I don't know if I had pick eight or nine and Kevin Durant was still on the board. I I think I'd take him unless somebody else mm-hmm. just happened to slip too. But like you said. 
there's nothing that makes me say, oh, he's going to miss 40 games. I mean, unless obviously we can't consider injuries at this point, but when right. he plays, he's excellent. He puts up numbers across the board. I think he was the number two guy on Basketball Monster and Nine Cat last season. Like, he's yeah. still one of the best in the league. He's too good to let slide that far, in my opinion. And if you get Kevin Durant at nine or ten, do, do you win your league? I mean, is that a, is that a league winning move because he's fallen that, that far? I don't know. I mean, I think that again, I, I think we'll see him go earlier than that in some leagues. But I, I certainly think there will be some leagues where you'll, you'll get a shot at him there. I, I would imagine, or maybe I'm just telling myself a story. But that's a story I'm sticking with right now. We're going to go now to our final team in the Atlantic Division. That is the New York Knicks. Let's start with their big addition, Jalen Brunson, of course, who signed that four-year, $104 million deal to leave Steve's Dallas Mavericks. Just devastating. Steve, many sleepless nights this summer with Jalen Brunson leaving, I imagine. Coming off a year where he put up 16.3 points, 3.9 rebounds, 4.8 dimes, 0.8 steals, 1.23s for Dallas. Played in 79 games, an absurd number in today's NBA. That was in 32 minutes per game, playing alongside usage monster Luka Doncic. We assume the minutes and usage will go up in New York. Noah, how excited 1 to 10 are you to draft Brunson, and what are some realistic expectations? I'll lock in an 8.5 on a scale of 1 to 10. Okay. Because I mean, as soon as uh, he signed there, I think within a week I was trying to trade for him in my dynasty league. Um <laughs> Just because, I mean, the guys that are there aren't great for fantasy. I mean, he's going yeah. to have the ball in his hands a ton. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm sure. Um, you know, I think now that Donovan Mitchell's definitely not going to be in New York, I'm excited. Um, he will mm-hmm. be having the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw this. They're calling the Knicks trio the mid-three, just because they're just three average guys, I guess. I don't know. Um, but <laughs> in 42 games as a starter without Luka, He's averaged 17.3 points, six and a half assists, and three and a half rebounds, and that's across 42 games, so a relatively decent sample size. Um, and I mean, you know, you mentioned Luke, usage monster Luka Doncic. I guess he also has usage monster Julius Randle in there now, but a slightly <laughs> less efficient usage monster. Uh, just so slightly, yeah. Hopefully, that'll just keep the ball in his hands, and he can put up. I wouldn't be shocked to see him put up that you know 17.3 points, six and a half assists that he has done as a starter throughout his career. I think those numbers are very realistic. And I think uh, something that plays a big part in this is how desperate the Knicks have been to find a point guard over the last 15 years. I mean, sort of like been their mantra, like we've got to find a point guard, and they just never have. And so they finally are bringing Brunson in uh, for big money, and it's it's a big acquisition for them. So, I mean... You just know that James Dolan is going to be like, hey, I just spent all that money on that kid. He needs the ball in his hands at all times. No no rest, no no breaks from Tom Thibodeau. Uh, just run Brunson out there, run him into the ground, which I'm, I'm good with for fantasy. So I, I'm, I'd say I'm – without hearing Noah say that he was an eight and a half, I was going to say I'm at between an eight and a nine. So I, I think that's eight and a half – as well, I'm pretty darn excited about it, man. Wow. By the way, that Knicks top trio, all left-handed. Three lefties. Mm-hmm. Have we thought about that? That's rare. That is really rare, right? Uh, Bronson, yeah. Randall, and Barrett, all lefties. Um, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you guys. I am a 
I'm a six and a half on Brunson. And, and that's not to say that I like him. I like the player. I, I love the role. I think the possibility of his minutes going from 32 to like 38 is more than realistic, right? We could all easily envision that. And my question, though, is not the role or the minutes. It's the peripheral numbers. This is a guy who has averaged 0.6 steals in his career. I think it was 0.8 last year, a career high. He hasn't been a volume three-point shooter. Uh, I thought you were going to say is the mid-three because Brunson shoots so many mid-rangers. I mean, he's a, really good, do. <laughs> he's, a, he's a really good outside shooter percentage-wise, but his career high is 3.2 attempts per game this past season. So 1.23s on like 37% shooting. You know, for fantasy, we need more volume there. He has... This is nitpicking, but he has 12 blocked shots total in four years in the league. Um, I guess for me, I just worry about what does is, what is his stat set look like beyond really solid points and assists. I think I don't I don't I think he can push 20 points per game. I think his assists should go up from the 4.8. They need to go up from the 4.8 to justify our excitement about him. It sounds like I'm down on Brunson. I just think I'm I'm a little I approach it with a little more caution than maybe some others just in terms of fantasy. And and I might be wrong. You guys can tell me I'm wrong if you want. Well, I think uh, part of it, most of his game, at least when he was in Dallas, is he would get the ball and he would drive and he would back people down and hit a turnaround float or mid-range, whatever. Like he, yeah. he, he didn't shoot a lot of three-pointers, but I think part of that, and I, I could be crazy here, but I feel like part of that was because Luca was taking so many threes. And as you said, Luca always has the ball in his hand. So when Brunson would get the ball, he would put it on the floor and drive. Um, and so maybe his role will be a little bit different um, yeah. for the Knicks, and maybe he'll shoot more threes. He, I mean, he's only shooting three a game uh, in Dallas last year. So right. there's that. He also, for a guy that played 32 minutes a game and had the ball in his hand, as much as he did, he only turned it over 1.6. I don't know why I'm Mr. Turnover statistic today, but um, <laughs> yeah. normally, normally I don't with even Steve Alexander. What have you done turnover with time? Alexander? Yeah, normally I don't even care about him, but I mean, he only had 1.6 turnovers. He's never uh, that's the most he's ever averaged in his career. So he takes care of the ball. Yeah, I don't know, man. I I, I just think that he's never been an alpha dog. And now he's an alpha dog. So we're going right. to have to see how he handles that and, and you know, what he's going to do with that. It's it's a completely different mindset for him coming into this season than any other season of his, of his life. Yeah, it'll. I think my excitement being at an eight and a half is less about, oh, like I'm just super pumped. Like I'm going to reach for him. Like I really, really want him on my mm-hmm. fantasy team. I think it's more seeing what he's done in the past and saying, oh, I'm really excited because he's going to be better than he has. I believe on Basketball Monster, he had his best season last season, ranked 98th. So it's first time mm-hmm. in his top 100. I think he could obviously jump up from that. I wouldn't be shocked to see that. Maybe the only Nick in the top 100. Um, so I think that's where my excitement comes from. And Steve, you mentioned that they finally you know, have a point guard. They've been desperate for a point guard of the future. I'd argue that that they've had the point guard of the future on their bench for the past two seasons, or I guess maybe yeah, just past two seasons with Emmanuel quickly. But they just mm. they're just not giving them the minutes. They they try and acquire every other point guard, whether it be Jalen Brunson, Kemba Walker, Derrick Rose, just anybody but the guy that's sitting right there. Right, quickly kind of exploded late last year, if mm-hmm. I recall. Uh, when given the chance, 
and and the one other thing I'll say about Brunson is we ha- we talked to Raphael Johnson last Friday and uh, <laughs> had him tell us some picks that that he saw in a recent mock draft. Even though he was like, "Guys, it's September. Why are we talking about this?" But anyways. <laughs> I, if I remember, Steve, Jalen Brunson was not going prohibitive, did not go prohibitively high in that one mock. That's a small sample size, obviously, but I think it was like somewhere in the sixth round or something like that, six or seven, right? Isn't that what he said? I think so. Yeah. So I, I just remember look, apologizing to him because he was trying to look at it like on a on a screen the size of like a phone screen, and I was yeah. like, "Where'd Brunson go?" He's like, "Oh, good lord!" And he just starts scrolling. <laughs> I think it was somewhere around yeah. six or seven, round six or seven. But the, but the point is, if that's what we're talking about with Brunson, then I might move up from a six and a half excitement level because I just don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to overhype him in my mind. So I just want to, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll find. Well, I think it's eventually. I think it's important to remember where he was ranked last year. Like, you know, if he was a hundred, even if he is, you know, for him to be twice as good, that would put him up to only. Put him up to fifty. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't think we should be reaching into round five for mm-hmm. Jalen Brunson. But I, I'll be excited about taking him in round six or seven because I think he can easily return that that value. All right. Uh, meanwhile, Steve, is there anyone else on this roster to get excited about besides Brunson? Can you talk yourself into? I'll just I'll just list off a few names here. I mean, R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson. I mean. Can can you get excited about anyone else? Because I'm not sure that I can. Not really. Um, I mean, R.J. Barrett is very intriguing. I don't know how serviceable he is. He's Evan not. Fournier, I can't. I I like Emmanuel quickly. You know, like Noah said, I I've not understood why he hasn't played more for them um, the past couple of years. I've kind of moved on from the Mitchell Robinson fest. We've moved from Mitchell Robinson to the Time Lord. Uh, I will not. I can't do Mitchell Robinson anymore. I, my son would tell you he's excited about Cam Reddish, but okay. We just As Hawks fans, we know better. We haven't seen. I mean, they didn't use him at all last year. So I've never, I've never gone from so excited about a player to so like out on a player and that i still love i still hope that it it pans out for cam reddish but man that that whole thing fell apart so fast yeah i'm kind of sad about it yeah i think it just hurts because of how excited us as hawks fans were and now it's the knicks aren't even like said like no he's not gonna be part of the rotation he was looking for a trade no cam reddish is not who i'm excited about but the centers are interesting because obviously mitchell robinson can block shots and rebound, shoot a high field goal mm-hmm. percentage, but I mean the free throws are obviously atrocious, kind of a setback. But now they have Isaiah Hartenstein there. I believe that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce that. But he was very sneaky good for the Clippers last season in limited minutes. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see. I mean, as it is with all the Knicks, does Tibbs like him? If he doesn't, oh, forget about it. No, I don't want him. But if he right. likes him, and he could see. 20 minutes a game and you know mitchell robinson could get in foul trouble you know that's not uncommon have his minutes limited not uncommon if he can get a consistent role i'd be excited about hardenstein um yeah but other than that man it's the knicks i'm just not too excited about anybody for fantasy you know what we like we typically dread the 
platoon, right? The 50-50 platoon is is typically a nightmare mm-hmm. in fantasy. I would argue this is one situation where if yeah. the Knicks split their minutes down the middle between their centers, that would be that would be interesting for fantasy because I think both guys in 24 minutes can get some things done. Um, so that's just a random thought I just had. I'm going to run down a few of the names on this roster and kind of why we're potentially out on them. RJ Barrett, counting stats-wise, He's coming off a year where he averaged 20 points per game, almost seven rebounds, three assists, and two threes. That should be good, right? But he was actually outside the top 250 in nine category <laughs> leagues because the percentages aren't good. The defensive stats aren't good. 0.6 deals, 0.2 blocks. And the one thing I'm careful with about Barrett is I wouldn't rule out the possibility of him eventually putting it together and actually being a really good fantasy player one of these years because he's still really young. You know, Andrew Wiggins is an example that comes to mind of a guy who we are out on I know I was out on in fantasy for years, but now he's really solid. Barrett could put it together. I'm just, I know I'm going to miss out on it the first year it happens. He won't be on my roster the first year it happens. That That's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, I could get us excited about Quentin Grimes in theory, but I just, you know, they wouldn't trade this guy reportedly yeah. to get Donovan Mitchell. But where do his minutes come from with Barrett and Fournier there? I, I just don't see Fournier going away to make that happen. I could be wrong about that. And then last one, Julius Randle. Could bounce back, but he was just such a liability in percentages and turnovers. We're talking 41 from the field, 75 and a half from the line, and 3.4 turnovers from a big. That's just not a combo I want to gamble on. All right. Noah, are you higher on any of those guys or excited about Grimes or anything like that? No. I mean, it's the Knicks, I feel like so many guys in that team are just like serviceable or young and have potential. They're almost, they're just so deep but without like a true star. Like I feel like if they could replace their top three players with a legitimate like contending three, like they'd have a great supporting cast, but it feels like the whole team is just a supporting cast of guys. So it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to really like narrow down and say, okay, like this guy's going to be really good. Cause you know, Grimes, apparently there's just right. super, super high on him, but you mentioned there's four guys that could be getting playing time above him. So it's, I don't know. It's just a, a jumbled mess there. Um, I think. It's hard to narrow down. And like Noah said, the Knicks are super high on Quentin Grimes and Miles McBride. <laughs> and you hear hype about them like coming from New York, but I haven't seen it. I don't I don't know, man. I I, I, I need to see something uh, instead of just keep hearing all this all this noise. But um, also, side note, Matt, do you feel guilty when we talk about Isaiah Hartenstein when Brian Rosenworcel's not here? Does it does it feel weird? Yeah, a little bit. I was thinking, actually, we should just do a podcast where we bring on Jonas and uh, Brian and see who can generate more enthusiasm, like like a de- like a debate style. Just give them 10 minutes to see who can hype him up more. Maybe we should do that. That's a good idea. Maybe we can we can that can be the second half of you versus Noah in a game of one on one. There you go. Perfect. I got a perfect episode laid out. I'm worried. I, you know, I, that can't happen for four to six weeks. I'm still. Oh, I heard it could happen well, Sunday if we get the right permission. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, we're working on it. We're working on the permissions. Um, okay. Uh, quick news item before we go. That that wraps up the Atlantic Division. But I wanted to quickly talk about a guy who we're going to talk about down the road. I'm sure. Uh, this is out of Minnesota. John Krasinski of the Athletic wrote that Jaden McDaniel's is quote in line for a starting spot, and that the Wolves are quote very encouraged by what they've seen from him this summer. This is a guy we were talking about recently wondering, well, is McDaniels, you know, can he play the three for this team? 
It's looking like that might be the case. In his second season in 26 minutes, 9.2 points, 4.2 boards, 0.7 steals, 0.8 blocks, 1.1 threes. If he progresses from that, which just natural kind of progression as a player, maybe he gets slightly more minutes or he just improves a bit. I mean, he could be a really nice late round fantasy player this year. Noah, I didn't tell you guys I was going to ask you about this, but I want to hear your thoughts. I think even if he improves, it's hard to see him really improving on those numbers. I think maybe a slight improvement, that's fair, but they're bringing in Rudy Gobert, still have Carl Anthony Towns. It's hard for me to say, oh, he's also going to increase his blocks when you have Rudy Gobert, arguably one of, if not the best shot blocker in the league, and then Carl Anthony Towns, another seven-footer down there. Um, if he Hard to see him increasing on his points because – Anthony Edwards, I think everybody's kind of on board with him taking a big leap this season. Carl Anthony Towns is probably going to finally get to be like Kevin Durant and be on the perimeter now that they have Rudy Gobert down low. I'm sure he's thrilled to just dribble the air out of the ball and shoot deep shots. So um, I think Jaden McDaniels can still be a very good player this season, a late-round target fair. It's just hard for me to see him making a huge jump considering the four starters that are next to him have all I believe I'll play in the all-star game. I'm pretty sure, or no, excuse me. I guess Anthony Edwards hasn't, but just that talented of a group. I was going to say the exact same thing. I mean, it's just Minnesota looks good on paper. You know, their death chart looks pretty, pretty fun, pretty good. Um, Russell's going to have the ball in his hands a ton. And so is Anthony Edwards. And so is Carl Anthony Towns, um, which I think is going to leave Rudy Gobert and and Jaden McDaniels uh, left to play defense. But Late round flyer on Jaden McDaniels. I'm all in. I'm. I'm. He's going to be intriguing and serviceable. I think. That's yeah. That that's why I'm drafting is for that defense, right? I mean, even if his points, can he get you know 10, 11 points? I think that's realistic. Again, 0.7 steals, 0.8 blocks, 1.13s last year. If we even get an incremental improvement in any of those, mm-hmm. uh, that's a solid, very close to the the coveted one 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 in those three categories. So. Uh, just a little note there. Just a name to file away. You know, he may have already been on some people's radars, but I think that he should be on all of our radars. Uh, guys, before we go, any, any final thoughts? Steve, any last words from you? We're about to go. Words uh, of I had not. I had not prepared any words. Any remarks? Uh, I was supposed to go to see Willie Nelson tonight, and we're, we're chickening out of that because it's lawn seats and it's supposed to rain. And I'm You're old, bailing. So. Wait, it's... We're talking at twelve forty-five in the afternoon. You're bailing now. We, we don't know what the weather is going to do. It's a festival, it? dude. It's it's it starts at three o'clock. It'd be an all-day thing. I'm just mm. Mm. wow. I don't just know. Gonna, no. I, I just gonna sit this one out. I think. Wow. No, I don't know about that. I'm I'm kind of I'm not really happy with this approach from Steve. Seventy percent chance go. of of rain today. Mm. Sounds like a thirty percent chance of not rain. <laughs> right. If that also means, little known fact, that means 70% of the area is expected to get rain. Okay? Just keep that in mind. You're thinking about it the wrong way. Mm. So, I don't know if I just blew your mind. I'd like to see you get out there, and if it gets too wet, you can go home. But I don't think you just bail now. I'm not happy with this. Noah, what do you think? I mean, I'd love to see the attempt and the effort given forth. Yeah, I'd love to see it. If it yeah. doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But yeah, I can only ask for your best. That's it. Yeah. Make the effort. Get out on the floor. You know, (laughs) you can't score if you're not in the game. Get out there. Mm. All right. Mm. All right. I'll let you know how I'll let you know uh, what we decide. Oh God, he's not going. going. (laughs) All right. Let's see how it turns out. 
that's going to do it for us on this episode. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back next Friday covering key fantasy questions in the Central Division. The Bucks, the Bulls, the New Look Cavs, Pistons, Dynamic Young Stars, and more. I want to say thanks to everyone for listening and for watching live with us today. Noah, Steve, thanks, guys. Steve, enjoy the festival. I know it's going to be great. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, See you guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are.